This is a Hot Pie Original. Hey there. I'm going to pose a really quick question. Do you believe that slavery has been abolished? I know it may sound outlandish because everyone's going to shrug their shoulders and say, of course it has. Um, what if I told you or would you believe me that over 40 million people are being enslaved today throughout the world? Some of you may be really shocked to hear that number. Others may have third world countries pop into your head and say, yeah, I could believe that, you know, third world countries, their laws are very different. There's been international organizations who have helped these countries for decades with, with genocide, child marriage, so on and so forth. Well, it has been recorded through the Polaris Project that over 22,000 uh, recorded human trafficking survivors are here in the U.S. alone here in the U.S. alone. Now, of course, this is like a 2019 data. Um, we're going to wait for the 2020 to come out, but over 22,000. Now, in the grand scheme of things, that may seem like a really small number compared to the 40 million. But it is, well, human trafficking is notoriously underreported. So it's predicted that there are millions more victims um, hiding in plain sight. That means they're walking amongst all of us in my backyard and in yours. Well, before we go any further, my name is Antoinette Villarreal, and I am excited to be here at the Inhumane Podcast, episode one. It has been a, a long time coming. Now, I'm going to break down and just give you a quick summary of just my background. And normally I teach executives and other speakers and master trainers to not talk about themselves uh, because most people, they really don't care. They just want to know what the topic is, give them all the checkpoints on the agenda. Uh, but just so that you know, I'm not a serial killer. Uh, I just want to give you a little bit of info on my background with human trafficking. So I've been working uh, to combat human trafficking for over a decade, and that is in nonprofits, in uh, the private sector, um, really a a across all industries, and including public education. And a lot of the people that I've been able to work with has been amazing. That's with policymakers, law enforcement, uh, survivors and victims themselves, and, and you, the community, um, which is one of my favorites uh, to, you know, to work with. And we're not only bringing, or I didn't not only bring uh, awareness to the community, but my hope was to, and is still today, to eradicate modern day slavery and to hopefully bring us all together to make this the number one issue that humanity can all get behind, whether that is on a small scale or a much larger scale. It really depends on the individual and what they want to, you know, commit to. So all the skills that I've acquired in my professional life that's really helped me create some human trafficking curriculum and some trainings for a variety of industries. Um, and the great thing about that is that too 
helped the employees, not only in their professional life, but it helped them in their personal. And they were able to talk about human trafficking within, you know, within their own circle. So in addition to that, one of the most humbling things that I am just, I have so much gratitude in doing is being a life coach, a, a mindset and a life coach to our survivors. And these human trafficking survivors, they decided to leave the life or they've actually been rescued themselves. And it is the most humbling experience to be a part of their journey. And think about that, right? We love those movies um, where the individual is just going through so much adversity. And during the movie, um, or when we talk about it later, we talk with our friends and family and we say, oh my gosh, there's no way. There's absolutely no way that I could go through that physically, emotionally, spiritually, like poof, they could just take me, I'd be, I'd be done. Um, or I would have drowned or whatever the case may be within that movie. But it is beyond like a miracle and uplifting when we see how a person can go through all of that. And, and yet they come out on top, they come out okay, right? They come out living a much better life. And that's what I get to see with these individuals. And honestly, I learned so much for them. And it's, it's amazing to hear and see and to just experience with them. Um, and hopefully we're going to get some of them on this podcast. And so you'll be able to see uh, what I'm expressing to you, do to you right now. So for years, my colleagues and myself, we have been trying to bring human trafficking to the forefront, especially in industries where the conversation was just missing or it was void or just surface level, like um, like in the foster care system, like those individuals should be trained and well-informed about human trafficking and not just trauma-informed, but trauma-informed specifically for human trafficking. They are our most vulnerable and, and at risk. And it's missing in a lot of times there. Well, several years ago, I posed a question kind of like the, the one in the beginning of, of this segment um, at a conference. And I asked the audience to close their eyes. So I'm going to ask you, go ahead and close your eyes. and. I want you to think about just the first word or visual that pops into your head to this question. So when you hear the word inhumane, what is the first thought or visual that pops into your head? Okay. What is the first visual that pops into your head? Well, when I asked this question several years ago, we, um, you know, we took the data down um, when we asked the audience and overwhelmingly, number one, was pets inhumane. Well, I'm here in Austin, Texas, and uh, it is a very dog-friendly city. You can go almost anywhere with your dog. So when I ask friends or especially individuals who I've just met and they don't know what I do, um, dogs just pop into their head, right? Inhumane, the humane society, right? So there's some connection there and I totally get it. So overwhelmingly, people think of pets. Uh, number two, inhumane, the word, what do you think of? Um, people think of homeless, the homeless. And again, here in Austin, Texas, um, we do have a lot of organizations that help the homeless as well. Um, and we have a big population of homeless individuals. So inhumane, homeless, um, it's inhumane that they don't have a place to call home. It's inhumane. If they have any addictions, it's inhumane, right? So again, you can make that connection. And then thirdly, um, inhumane conditions uh, regarding prison. 
So most individuals thought of inhumane prison conditions. Uh, those were the top three. On a very, very small scale, there was just a couple of people um, that thought about human trafficking, which was great. Um, so we have this survey um, actually on our social media. We'd love for you to send it to your friends and family because um, I think it's really important to know what the awareness is within within your circle, right? Because most people don't think of human trafficking. We think that that is a third world problem. Um, but I just gave you the statistics and we're going to pop that up on the screen real quick where you can see the statistics from the Polaris Project of what is happening in our in our nation right now. And you could go further and figure out what is happening within your state and then condense it down to your, you know, to your local local area. Now, I'm asking you to share this with your people because during this whole lockdown, you know, people didn't have a lot to do. We're all over social media, right? TikTok blew up, for example. Um, and so many people are questioning human trafficking. It is like coming to people's, you know, their feed, their analytics. They're just like, what is this human trafficking? People are paying attention to the FBI and law enforcement trafficking ring busts that are happening in different states. And then they go down rabbit holes or what have you. Um, they are no longer thinking that it's just happening across the pond somewhere, right? And so it, it's amazing. It's a really amazing to see what this pandemic has done on the positive side, not only bringing people together, but bringing awareness uh, because our busy, our lives have, have slowed down. Right. And we're starting to figure out what is really important. Like nonprofits have popped up during the pandemic in regards to human trafficking. Um, so many people for like their birthdays have said, Hey, donate here. Um, we can't celebrate, but please celebrate me by donating to this human trafficking organization. Like it's just beautiful. I can't tell you how much my phone has blown up um, from people I've met, you know, nine years ago, eight years ago, and they're just like, hey, this human trafficking, like I heard you, but I wasn't ready or I didn't see it. But that is real. Tell me, tell me more about it. Right. And that's, that's what we're here for. Um, so we want to see what your circle is, is like and what their awareness is. Um, and we'd love to know. So go onto our social media page, please share that link. It'd be great to find out where our society is and what they know regarding human trafficking. So what is human trafficking? Um, even though the blockbuster movie Taken with Liam Neeson happened like almost a decade ago, that is still probably the number one um, comparison I get when we're having conversations with different people. And, and I get it, right? It's like, oh my gosh, here's human trafficking. It's huge. It's big. They kidnapped her. It's, you know, they're wealthy people. Um, he has a set of skills, so on and so forth. So it's, it gives them something that they're able to talk about because they've seen that movie. Um, but unfortunately, it is so much more painful to hear uh, the stories to, to watch and to obviously ex experience, right? So according, um, and we're going to pop up another slide real quick right here. So the Trafficking Victims Protection Act, or TVPA, which you'll hear us, hear us reference this um, on this show uh, quite, quite often, defines human trafficking or severe forms of trafficking in persons as sex trafficking, in which a commercial sex act is induced by force, fraud, or coercion, 
or in which the person induced to perform such act is under the age of 18. And the recruitment, harboring, transportation, provision, or obtaining of a person for labor or services through, you guessed it, the use of force, fraud, and coercion. Force, fraud, and coercion. Here's a, another slide just so you can see this diagram. So here you have labor trafficking, which to be honest with you, um, a lot of individuals partake in this and they don't realize how. And we'll get into that in some other episodes. And then you have sex trafficking, okay, which this is usually the one that gets most attention you know, to people, right? Because they just can't fathom that someone is utilizing another human like this. So here you have labor, here you have sex, but look what's in the middle. They both have force, fraud, and coercion. You have to prove this in the court of law. It's extremely difficult to, you know, to do. And when you hear these stories more and more, um, you're going to realize why these traffickers get away with these crimes because it's, force, fraud, and coercion. And we have to be able to prove that in the court of law for not only prosecution, but also changing these laws that allow these individuals to, you know, to get away with it. Um, so we'll come back to that more and more. And those three words, if you can just have it in your brain of like force, fraud, and coercion, that is what really sums up um, human trafficking on both on both ends, really. So earlier, I mentioned that this issue, right, it can be on a small scale or a large scale. It really depends on the individuals who want to commit to eradicating human trafficking, right? Now, human trafficking, which is going to blow your mind, is a public health issue. It is an economic issue, and it is a moral and ethical issue. Now, I don't care what side of politics that you're on, um, I'm sure you can agree with any one of these, whether it's all four or it's just one. Okay. So if moral and ethics is not your jam and you're like, Hey, it is what it is. Um, I'm sure the economic standpoint will kind of trigger something inside of you. Um, those of you who don't care about the economic, I'm sure it'll bother you in regards to the public, uh, health issue. Um, and if those two don't bother anybody, I'm sure it'll hit someone with the moral and, and ethics issue. And there's, there's going to be so much more that you can connect with. Like, this is everybody's problem. Um, we're just not an educated society to know how it affects us and in our own little bubble, right? So most of us, um, I think they say in Americans, they don't go outside like their 10 mile radius. It'll affect you. In your in your 10 mile radius. Um, we're going to break down all the important details because when it comes to human trafficking, we don't want to be vague. We don't want to talk on this grand scale only. We want to get into the details so that you are fully aware so that we're not just referencing, uh, you know, the movie Taken, that we can speak to um, this important issue and how it affects you in your life and in your community, uh, whether you know a human trafficking victim or survivor or not, it's how it can affect your community, period. And then obviously that's just a domino effect, but then it helps the nation and then hopefully the world as a whole. So when I decided to take 
you know, like to really take on and combat human trafficking. Um, at the time, there were many organizations and entities that really just wanted us to to donate money. Um, and because I wasn't like a clinician or a social worker, I didn't have all these letters at the end of my name. <laughs> I got a lot of doors slammed in my face. Um, and I was not invited to the table um, because I didn't I, I didn't have those credentials. Now, I know based off of my experience and the validation of a lot of my you know, colleagues and friends in the space that denying people who don't have certain letters at the end of their name, but are skillful in other areas is detrimental um, to these victims. And it's a huge contribution of why these victims and survivors cannot get the help that they need and that they deserve. And frankly, a lot of these entities are getting money to do so, but we only want to let certain people into the club. So I said, well, forget that. We're going to build our own table and we're going to invite all of you. We're gonna, this is one of the tables that we have, and we're inviting you here to take part into eradicating human trafficking. Um, and like I said, once we get more into it each episode, you're going to see how this affects a, a human period, whether they're in your community or not. And we all need to really do something about it. So hands down, uh, when I first got interested in human trafficking and fighting it, I could pull hundreds of people in a room like that. They all wanted to know. They're eager and interested to say, hey, what, what is human trafficking? What can we do about it? You're telling me it's happening in plain sight in my backyard. What, what do we need to do? And these organizations, um, they gave very little information. It was very vague. Um, and don't get me wrong, we have to protect the victims and the survivors 100%. And we need to have systems in place to do so. But we shouldn't be denying people who pass all background checks and things of that of, of that nature. Um, we should allow them to help. And I've seen more people who aren't experts connect more with a survivor than those who are actual experts. Okay. So I want everyone to kind of keep that in mind. Um, <clears throat> you know, one of the things in regards to like uh, Giving Tuesday just happened, for example, right here in, in December, and all these nonprofits are asking for money. Um, and we know it takes money to help uh, these individuals to these specific groups. We, we know that. And it's not that people don't want to give their money, um, especially back then. You know, we were curious. We wanted to know where our money was going. Um, why can't I help? I have this skill set. Um, there was all this questioning. They, they turned around. They turned down so many people. So I could easily put hundreds of people and gather them in a room um, because they were so interested in what human trafficking is and was and what can they do about it? How does it affect their community, the state, the nation, so on and so forth? And sadly, like, over 90% of these individuals with different entities were constantly turned away because only their money was valued at that time. And to me, that's a huge risk, right? Not just for like the, the donor, but also for the entity where only their money is valued. Now, if you ask any 
leader, like leadership in nonprofits, um, volunteer time is equivalent to money. It is literally the same. You cannot put a price technically on a volunteer and the time that they give. So a lot of these entities, they really, um, and to be fair to them, they just really didn't have a whole lot of systems in place um, where these individuals can help the survivors, whether it was um, on the education end and training and awareness and outreach, or it was on the other side of supporting um, a human trafficking victim or survivor. And those needs are pretty high and they do cost money um, in fairness to the entities. But we, we weren't doing a good job at the time. Right. And now, right, currently we have a much smarter consumer. Like the consumers want to know where their money is going to. Right. We have found out too many times at these nonprofits where their executives, I used to work for one, then these executives, you know, made half a million dollars. Um, and I feel nonprofits, I mean, they're running a huge organization. They should get paid similar to a CEO. However, you're talking huge uh, disparities, right, between people in the field doing all in the trenches um, and leading. So when we're asking the community to to really help and take part and to combat human trafficking, we want to make sure that we are giving them as much information as possible, right? So they know where their money, where their time is going to, um, how it's helping on that small scale as well as that large scale. Um, this is what we want to know as you know, as a donor, but not only that, more importantly, as just a community member, we want to know what is happening. Um, and that just wasn't the case, you know, many, many years ago. And so I feel that some nonprofits are doing a much better job. Um, we all still need to really work on it. And so, you know, that's something about this, this podcast, like I said, we're kind of building our own table here. And what I mean by that is we're going to, we are collaborating across the industries. Okay. With, with private, private and nonprofit, but also with the survivors. And again, going back to with you, the, you know, with the community, the community to eradicate this inhumane, $150 billion industry. Actually, it's a $150 billion global slave trade industry. Yeah, I, I said it. Uh, a slave, a slave trade industry. And for those of you who are new to this topic, and for those of you who are very seasoned in this, in this topic, I know saying eradicating human trafficking may seem completely impossible and unrealistic. Like I've, I've heard that a thousand times, but I believe that it can and that it will happen. Now I'm going to share a little neuroscience information uh, for a moment. So just kind of bear with me. So when I coach my executives, um, my, you know, survivors, when I coach them, we always set one impossible goal for the year. Now, I know setting an impossible goal, like intentionally, that sounds counterintuitive. But in reality, um, making it unrealistic or impossible, you're actually tricking your brain. Okay, because our brain doesn't like change, right? So here you're actually tricking it to be okay with failing. 
because you already named it your impossible goal, right? Your brain already knows that it's impossible. So by committing to just one big goal, you can get, you can like go all in, like your heart is in it and you're able to just focus. Like that's how we can trick our brain into committing to this. Um, So now if all of you, including me, all you warriors out there can make eradicating human trafficking your impossible goal, then it will happen in our lifetime. It just takes one day and one step at a time. So I implore you to let's do this impossible thing together. Okay. So let's begin with just like the prevention side. All right. So begin with education. The Inhumane podcast is here to dispel all those myths out there and to provide you, our listeners, with tools and resources to prevent and identify human trafficking within your community and hopefully throughout your state, your nation, and then globally, if that's what touches, uh, you know, your your heart. This is what we're here to do, to work as a team. But it's like we need an army to rise up to, to eradicate uh, this global slave trade. Now, my next statement is is going to be a bit controversial. Okay, so just bear with me. Um, the ra- The reality is that traffickers they do not discriminate. They never see skin color. They never see uh, your family life. They don't see if you're educated or not. They don't see what side of town you live you know, live on. Um, They don't care if you have a disability or not. They don't care. It's well known. Okay. It's, it's well known that traffickers do prey on children and young adults um, that are at risk. And so if you look at the foster care system, for example, yes, you have a high percentage of children of color. Okay. So but more importantly, the traffickers looking at vulnerabilities because that is their way in to groom, right? They want to groom you through your vulnerabilities. So people that don't have a, a family or have consistency, nobody's home. Um, and those kids or young adults who are looking for connections, that is a human traffickers. Like that's just like a pot of gold to them. That's all they see. So in my, in, in that perspective, They don't discriminate. They don't see color. They don't see what kind of family life you come from. They don't care your education. They don't care about anything. They just want to pray. And my point is, is that all the traffickers see, their motive is how much money can this one commodity bring me? And that's right, a commodity, a product, not a human being. These traffickers see you as a commodity. And honestly, if they're not discriminating, then nobody in reality is safe at all whatsoever. Okay. Trafficking is a business, plain and simple. It's a business. So think of it as like the dark web or the underground New York stock exchange. Human rights are not considered here. That should be absolutely mind blowing, you know, to people like what? The New York Stock Exchange, that's where things get traded. Absolutely. That's where you sell things, things 
human. You don't see humans on the stock exchange except here. This underground stock exchange is what human trafficking is. Um, to me, that is a really great visual for you to share with individuals. Like, this is what our world has has come to, or has it never really gone away? Right now, being in this space for so long, this is what boils like my blood, and I really try to control it myself, but humans are commodities to these people or these monsters or predators, whatever it is that you want to call them. Um, and no one can end human trafficking alone. This podcast is here so that we're able to reach more people that are not just within our city or our state, but nationwide and, and even globally, right? Because we need everybody in on it. It doesn't matter what language you speak. It doesn't matter who you vote for. It doesn't matter what faith you follow or, or if none for that matter. It's so that we can all do this together. And together, we are going to protect our communities and change the culture. And together, it starts by disrupting the human trafficking environment. So all of y'all listening, this is, this is like the first step. So thank you for that. Now, I asked you a question. Do you think slavery is, you know, has been abolished, right? That was my opening, opening question for you. Now, President Abraham Lincoln issued the Emancipation Proclamation on January 1st, 1863. So here we are now, 2021. It's been like 183 years. Um, and if you'll see it on the screen, and for those audio listeners, we'll have that for you um, on our YouTube Hot Pie, Hot Pie Original. <sighs> Crap. I always get it wrong. Okay. And for you audio listeners, we will have that on our Hot Pie uh, Media YouTube channel. So you want to check it out because these are some profound statistics for you to, to look at from these slides. So the proclamation declared that all persons held as slaves within the rebellious states are and henceforward shall be free. So think about that. So my opening question, I don't know what your, what your thoughts were, but as I, as I mentioned, most people, they're just like, yeah, crazy lady. That's kind of a, is that question rhetorical or, or what? But I just gave you some information about some of our, you know, things that are happening in our, in this human trafficking space. Okay. Now, modern day slaves all of them may not be chained up as the pictures that we see in our history books. They may not all be one specific race or, or, you know, ethnicity. They may not all come from one specific place, but it is happening today. It's happening when you go to your neighborhood convenience store and there's a car getting gas and there is a young girl in there with her trafficker. Granted, to most people, she just looks like a pissed off teenager who's not talking, you know, grumpy face or what have you, but it happens all the time. It's happening when you're on vacation, hopefully in 2021 with your family and down the hallway in your hotel, in a hotel room, there's a young adult who every other hour, uh, John is coming in, right? And doing God knows what to them and not because they want that happening. 
Um, it's happening when you go to your favorite sporting event. When you go to your favorite international events, which here in Austin, we have tons of them, human trafficking is actually happening right then and there. They lure people into these cities. They bring them here specifically because they know people are going to be here um, and spend a lot of money. So think of that term, uh, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Um well, that's not necessarily for everyone to have a good time. It's also because people were forced. There was fraud going on to bring them here or they were coerced. Remember those three words? They were brought in here and predators just do not care. They have no limits. I, I like can't express that enough. They don't care for human life. Now, in order to combat human trafficking, we're really going to push the envelope here on the Inhumane podcast. Um, no topic is is off limits. We we can't afford it to be uh, off limits. Like we just can't afford that. Like one life is worth us to be uncomfortable. So start being comfortable with being uncomfortable. Um, traffickers really, they're banking on society to just touch the surface or to not talk about certain things because it's at church or it's at school or it's at family dinner or what have you. They're banking on that. They don't want us to have these difficult conversations. They want us to just smile and say, oh, that's so sad. Let me donate some money or not and then move on. That's what they want us to do. Um, but that's not allowed. <laughs> That's not allowed on the Inhumane podcast. If you're listening, it really makes me believe that you want to do something about it. And you're not going to be alone. We are going to do this together as a whole. Um, and that's why we need this army to, to rise up, right? We're going to be warriors and warriors look different. Warriors can be, you know, you're 85 year old grandmother who's at home and she's looking out the window and paying attention to different cars going through different neighborhoods, right? Um, it could be that it needs to be the teacher at school. Um, it needs to be the construction worker, the trucker, the trucker that's driving from state to state. It needs to be the teenager um, that runs the book club or that plays, you know, soccer on the football team. It needs to be everybody. Now, I'm ready to even discuss the topics that society deems harmless because it's become like part of pop culture or honestly, it's even connections that they're not making to human trafficking like porn and escorting. And, and to be frank with you, I used to have a hard time saying the word porn like I despise it. I would get all red and flustered right here in my neck and my chest. And it was really because I was always looking at the other person's reaction. And I was so uncomfortable with saying that word. But when I started making the connections to human trafficking and porn, that confidence came like it, I was, I'm just ferocious about it. So porn and escorting, we're going to have those conversations here. So pushing that envelope, so far to the fact that we are going to even be talking to some former traffickers um, and see inside of their mind and why they do this 
um, what is happening to them. Um, I have some international traffickers as well that we're hoping to get on this um, on this show, too, because it's important to hear from them. Right. Not just the survivors, but also these traffickers um, so that we know how to combat it from literally like the ground, you know, the ground up. Um, we are going to be collaborating with foster care and the school systems like me being a former educator myself in the public, ed, you know, in the public education school system. I can't tell you how underrated, undermined that teachers are like teachers spend or your kids spend most of their time with their teachers all day. I know it looks a little bit different because, you know, we're all, all online or majority and Zoom and things like that. But these kids, elementary, middle school, uh, child care, right, preschool, high school. They spend all day with their teachers more than they do with their family. Teachers need to be at the table. They need to be invited to the table. So teachers from every school district, I don't care if you're private or public or charter or what have you. Uh, if you're from child daycare, you belong here. This table was also built for you. You are with children nonstop and they are the most vulnerable. Some people don't believe that human traffickers target middle school, elementary. They do. Um, middle school actually is a very high percentage because they can groom them. And once they have them, right, once there was forced fraud or coercion, they have them in their midst. And then they can they can utilize them how they see fit, whether it's labor or sex trafficking for a very long time until they turn 18. You know how much money they can make off of one child? So we need teachers here. And and we need daycare teachers here as well. Like there was just a, a man arrested um, for child porn, uh, which I call that more child rape and not child porn, um, to be frank with you. He was arrested for that. So these people need to be at this table. Um. We're also going to hear from individuals who left and currently work in the porn and stripping industry. Um, there's great purpose and to learn from them, but it's also to prevent others from falling victim. Right. So we need those individuals here. And in addition, we want to talk to those entities who want to legalize prostitution. So I don't know how many of you know much about it. I, a lot of people are aware, like when you go to Sweden or Amsterdam, they do have the red light district and it's legalizing prostitution. Um, well, there's a lot of conversation of bringing that here into the U.S. And the main point of legalizing prostitution, which I'm sure I got a lot of your like ears perked up, like what? we Who wants to legalize prostitution? Well, the reason behind that is many people believe and there is some data that shows that it will protect and prevent people from actually being trafficked because now we're legalizing it, right? And it's monitored. However, there's lots of cons as well. So we need to hear both, you know, both sides and we need to hear from the, the survivors themselves as well, right? And they, the survivors need to hear from individuals who are, uh, you know, experts in economics or, um, you know, government, what it could do to society and so on and so forth. So circling back or full circle, Remember I told you that it's going to touch you in some way, shape or form. So legalizing prostitution, public health issue, economic issue, moral and ethical issue. They don't go away. 
they affect us all. And if you think that this is not possible, um, why would you want to wait till it till it is right? Like so many laws are passed while all of us are asleep. Like you don't even realize until it happens to you or someone brings it up. And then it's like, what? This is happening. So we need to have those conversations. We need to be uh, comfortable with being uncomfortable and talk about, you know, legalizing prostitution and what that would mean to your community, to your state and to the nation, you know, as a whole. So we have like these phenomenal guests coming on, right? Some of my favorites are, I mean, I've just named a, quite a few, but in addition to that are those who work in the entities um, that know these silos, like that these entities work in silos. And the whole point of these organizations and entities, they were formed to support and 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 protect the victim and survivor. And when you're working in silos like that, you're going to miss the mark. And every day we hear it from survivors themselves that, yeah, this entity didn't help me or they wanted me to check all these boxes and I had no place to sleep, had to go back to my trafficker. I had, you know, they found me. So I had to go back to my trafficker or, you know, be killed. So these things are happening. We we not just need to hold these entities accountable, but we need to hear from them and see where they need help because we know they lack money. We know they lack, um, you know, people serving in those areas. So we as a community, we as this this army of warriors, um, we can do that together, right? We can help these entities. They just need to stop working in silos and we need to bust in like, like totally bogart our way in because it is our taxpayer money anyway, right? They don't need to be all the experts. We're experts as well in our area and these human traffickers, um, they need to be stopped. And that's one way that we're going to be able, you know, able to do it. So we're going to partner with survivors, educators, policymakers, um, faith-based communities. Let's not forget those. I love faith-based communities. There's been some work into letting them more into some of these uh, government entities and nonprofits. Like it's essential. Like they know how to take care of their own. And you want a survivor, like a survivor is going to thrive when they have a bunch of people helping them. Like it can't just be one person. Like you get burnt out so quickly. So these faith-based communities, they know how to do it. They've been doing it for a long time before any of these government entities and nonprofits have been built or even thought of. These faith-based organizations know how to do it. So um, they need to come on this show and they and they will be. We actually have a couple uh, lined up as well. And, and other human trafficking organizations like... I just told you earlier that there are predicted like millions of human trafficking uh, victims and that there's over 40 million people, right, that we just know of. So there are more of them, more victims and more traffickers than there are organizations that help, that are of money, uh, people, like there is no competition, so we need more human trafficking organizations to team up, to work together, to allow society, communities to help them as well. And I'm talking like really help, right? Like dig in deep um, because honestly, we're outnumbered 
And these traffickers know we're outnumbered. So there is no competition here. We, we don't have room for that. Um, the competition should be really against these traffickers. And we need to do everything possible, um, you know, to beat them. And I love saying that, to, to beat them. And in reality, this crime, it's complex. It's dynamic and it's very difficult to detect. And you're going to hear that coming from law enforcement, from investigators, from the survivors themselves. And currently these policies, <laughs> they only protect the trafficker. It's going to make you absolutely sick when, when you start hearing how these survivors, uh, they're victims and how they have a prison sentence. They have a police record and these traffickers just sit back. I mean, like eating bonbons at home, you know, watching some Netflix. They don't care. Somebody else is doing all their dirty work for them or taking the fall for it, really. Um, one can go to prison, right, They for selling drugs and guns or trafficking guns and drugs, yet they get probation or no prison time at all for trafficking a human. So tell me, what is really the commodity here? Is the high commodity drugs, gun, or human life? They even rank guns and drugs over human life. That alone should make anybody want to join, you know, want to join the fight. So I mentioned that trafficking is, you know, it is a business. Now, think about that. It's been over 100 years since slavery has been abolished. Why do we not have our stuff together? <laughs> How is this still happening? How do we not have control over it? How are a lot of these laws so backwards? How are we not protecting the victim, but protecting the trafficker? We, have, we should have learned something by now. But honestly, these traffickers, oh, they're so smart. And most people believe it's not happening here in the U.S. They believe it's not happening in their community. Houston, Texas is just a couple hours away. Uh, trafficking was happening in the woodlands. Look up the woodlands. Look up the medium price of homes in the woodlands. If it can happen there, nobody is safe. It can literally happen Anywhere where you least expect it. And a trafficker can also be someone who you least expect. Most traffickers, the, the victim knows them in some way, shape or form. Like kidnapping, that's more like 1%. That's what all the statistics show. It's always somebody they know. Always somebody that they know. Now, the inhumane... Now, the Inhumane podcast is a call to action to eradicate modern day slavery. Hands down, that's what we're here for. And we can only do the unthinkable together. And everyone, every single one of you has a role to play. So what will be your role? What is your role? Keep in mind public health issue, economic issue, moral and ethical issue. Everyone has a role. What, what is your role? So I'm going to give you a little bit of homework. In order to decide what your role is going to be, because this crime is complex and it's dynamic and it's hard, difficult to detect, we need to do baby steps. Okay. 
So I want you to begin thinking, do you want to be proactive? And there's a there's another slide uh, that you can see on the screen. But do you want to be proactive or do you want to be reactive? Or, I mean, you could be both. <laughs> it's really up to you and what it is that you want to be. But proactive is really more, just to keep it simple, it's really more of like the awareness, um, identifying human trafficking, creating policy. And it's really time for us to get in front of it instead of reacting to it and making policies after the fact. And then traffickers get wind of it and then they change their tactics and then we have to write something else. So we need to start getting in front of it. Okay. And then there's reactive. There's also legislative policy there as well, right? We, we need people with those skill sets um, or that are just fascinated by it um, to make changes, Keeping up with technology, for example, um, we'll talk about cryptocurrency and how everyone loves it or majority of people love it, but how it really helps the trafficker as well. Um, reactive side is also supporting a survivor's needs, the, the therapy, even long term support for the survivor. So there's so much, there's so much that it can be overwhelming. And that's why we want to start with just what role do you want to play? Proactive, reactive, or both. It's its really completely up to you. Um, I'm just so, so excited that you took the time to listen to our very first episode. Um, we just wanted to give you a taste of what to expect on all the episodes that are coming up. And like I said, we are going to have some phenomenal guests on here that are you know, just taking the charge that want to see change in the areas that they're in um, that are seeking help. Uh, we need to hear from those as well and how we can all be a part of it. So again, for some of you audio listeners, um, please go to the Hot Pie Media YouTube channel where you can get links and some of the slides, the visuals that um, that we're on for those visual individuals and take the survey, show that to your friends and family. Let's see what the awareness is like within your circle and the rest of you catch us on Instagram and Twitter at inhumane podcasts. Uh, thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. You can find more episodes and all other Hot Pie Media originals baked fresh daily at our home on the web at hotpiemedia.com, the Hot Pie Media YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts.